Welcome to this edition of Fitch Ratings Fixed Interest Podcast. I'm Kelly Bissett Tom, Director for the Canada Sovereign Rating, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Douglas Offerman, Senior Director for Canadian Provincial Ratings. Today, we're delving into the Canadian federal and provincial budgets and what the first back to business budgets mean for the credit outlook. Starting with the Canadian sovereign, the pandemic policy response to the overnight economic contraction preserved the economy and household finances, but it came at the expense of federal balance sheet deterioration. We expect the gross consolidated general government debt to GDP ratio to end this year about 20 points higher at 107% than it was in 2019. At current productivity and investment levels, the Canadian economy is unlikely to grow out of the elevated debt-to-GDP ratio, an important factor in the debt dynamics moving forward. We downgraded the sovereign to AA plus in June 2020, reflecting this debt increase and the housing market sensitivities given the recent price growth that we've seen accelerate through the pandemic and now starting to see a cooling effect that we continue to monitor through the year and with regard to an upcoming credit review. Much of that consolidated general government debt growth has taken place at the provincial levels as the pandemic opened up larger deficits in fiscal 2021 and lengthened the projected period over which provinces see deficits being generated going forward. But actual deficits have been much shallower than initially expected, and the actual and projected recoveries have been stronger. Doug, Canada has a decentralized institutional framework. How does this shape the provincial analysis? It's pretty central to the provincial analysis. For Fitch-rated provinces, it confers enormous strengths. The list of provincial responsibilities is lengthy and costly, especially for healthcare but it's matched by virtually unlimited revenue-raising power and by unlimited borrowing powers. So we rate provinces as near sovereigns in our lingo. Distinctions among them are meaningful, and that affects their ratings, their economic profiles, their growth trajectories, and the weight of debt that they carry from past periods of deficits. But commonalities are meaningful too, such as the challenge of delivering efficient services to growing and aging populations, especially healthcare. Doug, is the economic liability burden a game changer for any of the provinces? Our metric for economic liability burden recognizes a part of federal debt as an economic burden on each of the provinces. So the big jump in federal borrowing that was necessary to support individuals, households, and businesses through the pandemic is also captured in our assessment of the provinces. For many provinces, it is a sensitivity they're carrying a much more sizable debt burden now than they did before the pandemic when federal debt was relatively stable across many years. The risk scenario is that a routine recession in the relatively near future could upset the improving fiscal and debt trends the provinces are capturing in their 2022 budgets. Doug, the 2021 revenue story came in much stronger than expected, and that's carrying through to 2022. How do you view the provincial revenue story, and how does it shape the 2022 budget outlook? The revenue story for provinces right now is very strong, and much of it still reflects the dynamics that emerged in the pandemic. A year ago, provinces were faced with enormous uncertainties about how the pandemic was playing out, about new variants of the virus, about the continuation of public health measures, and their budgets reflected this. 
but actual provincial performance has far exceeded that level. There's still a lot of conservatism in the 2022 budgets, the budgets being released this spring, but personal income tax and corporate income tax growth has been very strong relative to earlier expectations, undoubtedly supported by federal aid to the economy. Add to that the resource story in some provinces, the collapse in oil demand in early 2020 has fully reversed and is producing an enormous lift in Alberta and other mining-related provinces, provinces with large mining sectors, are doing very well as well. Indeed, we've seen some upside risk to the federal government's 2022 budget projections. More broadly, general government revenues last year were up 11% year-on-year, reflecting these trends. Turning over to the budget narrative, we see some interesting commonalities between the federal and the provincial budgets, but we see a big however following the higher revenue story, and that's that higher revenues have been accompanied by generally higher spending at the federal level, with a gently sloping overall federal deficit over the next five years. So it's a it was a much faster than expected fiscal deficit reduction in 2021, but we're still expecting deficits for the federal government over the next five years. The Liberals have a record of spending higher tax revenues or tax revenue outperformance, and that could continue, but possibly tempered by higher interest expense if the Bank of Canada has to tighten rates, monetary policy rates faster than expected. There's also some electoral pledges and provincial asks, namely Pharmacare from the Liberal platform and an increase in the federal Canada health transfer to the provinces that have been requested by several premiers. These asks were omitted from the 2022 budget and would pose more upside spending risks. The federal budget itself is an active policy-oriented budget reflective of the Liberal Supply and Confidence Agreement with the NDP um, that would assure the minority government stability over the next three years. The budget prioritized housing support, child care, reconciliation, green supply chain initiatives, and defense spending, um, in contrast to some of the earlier electoral pledges from the Liberals last fall. However, upward pressure on the federal yield curve, as I mentioned, um, could curb some of the spending of, of excess revenues. So I think they have a bit of space to offset the interest risk from likely corporate tax revenue outperformance. We've seen some spending restraint as the Liberals hold to their policy guardrails and their pledge to keep federal debt to GDP under 50% during the term. Doug, which of the provinces have the brightest fiscal outlook? Do you see any, to be provocative, do you see any positive ratings pressure following the, the stronger economic narrative? Well, Kelly, I think right now we have all of the provinces unstable, all of the Fitch-rated provinces that we rate in Canada. They're all within the AA category. Part of that stable outlook is based on our expectation that um, provincial finances would be far stronger than what we were seeing in the announced budgets last year as well as this year. So right now, we do expect a lot of improvement in provincial finances and we expect to see lower debt burdens going forward than expected just two years ago. So the question really then is how much stronger than budget forecast do they actually come in at? So we're looking at, well, I think I would say that the provinces have, I would argue, in most years, a very strong incentive 
to announce a budget with relatively conservative forecasts. We're expecting that fiscal year end March 31st numbers will be much more solid than what um, uh, what was the base year for the budget 2022 projections. Um, and that strength is likely to carry through into the future, again, barring some surprise that offsets the trend line towards more strength. Zeroing in on a few of the provinces, Alberta's fiscal position just look much better. How does this translate to the rating? Well, we have Alberta on a stable outlook right now as well at the AA minus level. Um, part of our rating expectation for Alberta is that revenues are volatile. Um, it's obviously linked to that gigantic oil sector, which is so important for economic performance and fiscal performance there. Uh, so the, the, the Alberta budget reflects a huge turnaround compared to what they've experienced for the last half decade um, of you know, weak oil prices um, followed by the, the pandemic plunge. The, the question going forward is how sustainable the oil, current oil price environment is. Alber Alberta's budget has elements of conservatism to it. It's not expecting um, this enormous strength in the oil markets to continue indefinitely going forward. But the results, at least right now, are quite positive for them. So they're seeing very small surpluses going forward, um, much less uh, need to borrow, obviously, for operating needs. Um, and that's enabling their projected debt burden to essentially flatten out and drop slightly. Again, assuming it all plays out as forecast. Thank you, Doug. And British Columbia has come in much more strongly than expected as well. It's true. BC has, I would argue in particular, BC has a history of exceptionally conservative budget making, particularly through the pandemic period. The other advantage, well, BC comes to this discussion with an enormous list of advantages. It's been a solid growing province with a very diverse economy. It's Canada's window on the Pacific. It has enormous trade advantages, but it also has a history in managing its finances in a manner that always gets it back to balance. And that's been supportive of what is the highest Fitch rating on a Canadian province. So we rate them at AA plus stable. Now they did have to take on a much larger burden of debt and their budget, budget 22 is relatively conservative but we see them as likelier to outperform on that budget than, than they're projecting, and that's uh, likely to support the rating. On to the central provinces. Quebec's budget stands out. Are the medium-term deficits sustainable? And Ontario was starting a fiscal consolidation before the pandemic struck. Where is it tracking now? Ontario and Quebec are interesting because they're both election year budgets. Ontario's election is coming up in um, relatively soon, and Quebec's is in the fall. The two are, are different in many ways, though. Ontario is still Canada's economic leader, but it had never fully recovered from the global financial crisis prior to the pandemic. It was still generating small deficits each year by the time the pandemic struck. Quebec, which had had a long history of very large deficits, had made substantial progress in bringing its finances, or at least revenues and spending, far more into alignment. Both have very sizable debt burdens, but it appears that Quebec is 
quickly resuming the path it was on before the pandemic, where its finances are really geared toward more balanced operations. They're not seeing a return to balance anytime soon. But again, I expect them to overperform somewhat. On Ontario's side, I think there are more questions out there. It is, again, uh, there is an election coming up. It's in the relatively near future. There isn't, I would argue, a, a large election platform in terms of moving the needle on provincial finances. But I think it's important to note that Ontario's power to make changes in its budget, to change the direction of its finances, we view it as very strong. So it's kind of a wait and see for both. But we, we expect him to basically resume the roles they were playing before the pandemic. So switching gears back to the sovereign Canada stable outlook, which we maintained since June 2020, reflects a strong economic recovery that's panned out as we expected. But we see it paired with some downside external economic risks, tightening monetary policy, which also poses some deceleration as expected for the Canadian economy, ongoing housing market sensitivities as the authorities try to engineer another soft landing for the housing market, but also a likely correction, housing price correction of some degree. Um, And then as well, the measured pace of the general government's deficit reduction that will keep the gross consolidated general government debt to GDP ratio, which is key for our analysis, elevated um, above 100% for the medium term. So neither really generating much significant positive, but also negative ratings pressure. So we see an even balance of risks on the whole for the Canadian sovereign. Doug, back to you for your closing remarks on the provinces. Thanks, Kelly. A lot of those risks that you were just pointing out that affect Canada as a whole will also affect the provinces uh, to differing degrees. I already mentioned the volatility of oil prices and its possible impact on Alberta. Housing is a risk, certainly, particularly in Canada's expensive housing markets of Toronto and Vancouver. Um, And those are certainly concerns. And then as interest rates rise, the cost of the large debt burdens that provinces carry is going to get larger and larger. And their ability to rely on debt will simply become more expensive. So Those are concerns that we're watching and will continue to watch going forward. So thank you very much. Thank you, Doug, for sharing your perspective on the provincial outlook today. Thank you, listeners, for dialing in. For more information and analysis, please tune in for future Fixed Interest podcasts and look us up at FitchRatings.com.